Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. If UFOs are from outer space, what would their planets be like? If all possible worlds exist in the multiverse and they often overlap, why doesn't Godzilla come through and eat New York? Or Woonsocket, for that matter. Why do some people hang around after death and some don't? Hello, and welcome to the 928th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WOON, AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben, and those many questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. And today we bring you an open line show, uh, the second with a new guest co-host. Peter William Shelley joins us today. Peter has been known to our regular listeners for years as the mysterious Peter from South America who sends in excellent questions every week. A native of San Jose, California, Peter has had an active interest in UFOs and the paranormal since the 1960s. After attending film school, he worked in cartoon animation as an artist. Ultimately, he was employed at Hanna-Barbera Studios. In 2020, Peter started his own podcast on YouTube, Shadowy Spectrums. He specializes in interviewing researchers from outside the United States. He lives in Bogota, Colombia, where he has taught English for over 10 years. So, Peter, William Shelley, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thank you, Paul and Dan. It's a pleasure to be back, and I'm excited about uh, our discussion. Thank you. So, let's begin... With uh, I'm moving this to the front because it's an active case. Uh, Phil uh, Phil from um, the the Connecticut uh, the Litchfield Triangle as we call it has sent in uh, some very interesting information here. Phil is a show reporter and uh, is one of our spies in that area. Mm, yes, and our spy reports to <laughs> us. Uh, hi, Paul. Uh, there have been uh, some seemingly paranormal events lately in, Lich- in the Litchfield-Torrington area. Of course, what else is new, he has in parentheses. Uh, personally, I was on my way to work uh, when I saw, my- saw myself hitchhiking. I, quote-unquote, uh, was wearing exactly what I had on in the car. Uh, blue winter parka, brown wool hat, black boots. Uh, based on your experience... What would I? What would have happened if I stopped to give myself a ride? Uh, it makes me think about the Vermont surveyors, which we were talking about last yeah. week. Um, and what would have happened if they knocked on the door of that old farmhouse? Okay, well, two questions there. That, that's a, they're really very good questions. We've run into doppelgangers before, uh, at least in my experience, where people see themselves. Uh, I, I, we had a, a listener who wrote in that she had walked into her own kitchen and seen herself sitting at the island or, or the, the counter with the countertop in the middle of the kitchen. Uh, what would what would have happened if he picked himself up? I think what would have happened just from having heard about these things before. Now, experience, I've never picked myself up uh, hitchhiking. And I only would hitchhike in Canada about 100 years ago, right? Um, and I... I Made some good friends that way, actually. But I think that uh, you might, Peter, you might, uh, uh, Phil, have disappeared uh, before you opened the door, or the other person might not have. Um, yeah, but but you, you never know. I mean, it's possible you might have had a conversation with yourself, although that that is very rare uh, in my files, anyway. Uh, I, ben, uh, that's a good 
question. I don't. I I honestly don't know. You never picked yourself up hitchhiking. No, 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 no. I uh, I I I know myself well enough to not do that. Um, I I'm not I'm not sure. I think it, it makes me wonder if that that version of yourself would even speak the same language. Would I don't know? There's there's so many so many variables that there are. That that it's like I couldn't confidently give an answer, and okay. I feel like that's the problem. Most paranormal things, I have a hard time giving. I, a I would have tried answer. to do it. I would have tried to do it. I'm I'm crazy that way. Peter, what say you? Meeting a doppelganger. Um, that reminds me of a uh, a classic Twilight Zone episode where that does happen. Mm. Uh, there's a woman waiting in a bus station, and. Uh, she sees someone who's an exact duplicate and nobody else seems to be aware of this other woman and uh, she gets more and more uh, paranoid and uh, uh, finally uh, the uh, the doppelganger takes her place replaces her on a bus trip uh, I, I, I can't say I don't know what would happen well maybe uh, I wouldn't it, pick it up in that case but uh, I have seen people that looked uh, very similar to me at a distance, and I have wondered, but uh, I don't know what would happen. Yeah, it, it's difficult to say. Uh, on, on his second question, which regards the case we were talking about last week, for, first of all, Phil, the, the area he reports on for us is uh, the Litchfield Triangle in Connecticut, as, as we call it. It's not really a triangle. It's about 330 square miles at this point over into the... Hudson Valley of New York, and it's a flap area, as we call All sorts of goofy things happen there all the time and apparently always have. And um, he, we, we have all kinds of bizarre eyewitness stories, military presence, which in our opinion uh, is based at a, a farm where there's no farming and there's all sorts of uh, bizarre activity going on. So we've talked about that on many shows, and we have it in a couple of our books. So that's what that's about. But the case in Vermont... The Phil refers to was in 1975, and I was uh, I was there and uh, sort of recovering from the uh, Bridgeport poltergeist uh, activities of the previous November, and uh, these uh, surveyors came to my friend's house where I was staying and then told me about this bizarre apparent time slip or slip in space that they had had uh, while surveying a large tract of land for a farmer, and that uh, they had come upon a house that. Uh, wasn't there the next time that they and there was a bizarre fellow with a an axe over his shoulder came around. So what would have happened had they they crossed over the stone wall and knocked on the door? Well, the house may have disappeared before they did that. Uh, I don't know if I would approach the place with the guy with the axe there. Uh, he did not seem to see them. He, uh, as they described it, seemed to kind of look around as if he felt some sort of presence, but couldn't quite see or hear them which is a classic expression of a multiversal um, overlap, in, in my experience. And uh, the house was very old. It looked as though it had not been painted, uh, had no wires running to it, no cars in the yard, nothing modern about it. So um, the, he, they, he, they might have disappeared. I mean, it's also possible. Uh, th- there was a case in England, in uh, Devon, in the 19th century that, that was... Uh, no reason to believe that it didn't happen because I talked to people who, who descended from the person to whom it happened and the story passed down in their family. They were, uh, the, the person was um, visiting 
a, a cottage that she'd never seen before. Matter of fact, she was riding her bicycle. This is in the, like the 1890s, and uh, stopped because of a rainstorm, and uh, knocked on a door. And a funny little guy let her in, and uh, she sat down. And there was a bird. She'd never seen this kind of bird in a cage, but she. There was absolutely no sound whatsoever. The man was very kind. He seemed as though he was speaking, but she didn't hear him. And um, as soon as the rain stopped, she left. But it was very pleasant, at the same time very kind of creepy. It's like things that are uh, really bizarre but strangely funny in a way. So uh, she always remembered that. And uh, next time she came by, there was a, the cottage was broken down and had never didn't look anything like it had when it was uh, when she was there. So which had been you know a few days before. So these things do happen, uh, and there are all sorts of things in our files about this. So um, as far as the farmers, uh, uh, the surveyors, I don't know. Uh, I have to give you the same answer we all gave on the uh, the previous uh, hitchhiker question, Phil. Uh, ben or, or Peter, any further thoughts on that? Uh, Peter, how about you? Well, I kind of flashed on the Harry Martindale case that we talked about uh, a while back. Uh, that's the one in uh, Yorkshire, England, where a guy was working uh, in a uh, in a cellar, and uh, all of a sudden, a whole column of Roman soldiers yep. comes oh, yeah. uh, marching in into the room and out, and he he thought that uh, he huddled in the corner, and his his impression was they would kill him if they were aware of him, and for some reason they were not aware. They appeared. Not as phantasms, but as a, as a real flesh and blood uh, Roman soldiers, and he thought he was uh, going to be killed. Yeah, uh, but he just kept his mouth shut, and they didn't. For some reason, even the even uh, being so close, they didn't. Uh, they weren't aware of him. Well, to him, uh, to them, he might have been a ghost as we would call it, because they, they, they may hear, they might hear him, they might not. And he was not the only witness to that sort of phenomenon in that place. Uh, there's another case uh, where people saw the same, seemingly the same or similar soldiers uh, marching through there, and to us a classic time slip. Uh, this would be the, the question about whether we would, um, that we would ask, uh, we, you know, if, if they are the spirits of dead people, why would they be wearing clothes? Uh, what, why would they be carrying swords, things of this kind? And rather, the time slip thing is more uh, logical to us, anyway. So there we have it. So Peter, you had some uh, a case of your own, or some questions of your own you wanted to introduce, and it's only right because uh, your questions uh, are on every show, and we look forward to them. So go ahead. Well, thank you. I recently was uh, looking into something called the uh, Doddleston messages. Uh, this is a case uh, which uh, happened in uh, England in a village called Doddleston uh, near uh, near the Welsh border south of Liverpool. And in 1984, uh, this case has started uh, involving, uh, well, a guy named Ken, uh, a, a, a economics teacher at a local school. And his girlfriend and uh, another uh, uh, friend, they were uh, living at a cottage in this little village. And uh, they started to, they claim they started to experience uh, phenomena 
For example, um, uh, at one point they uh, noticed uh, footprints, small footprints on their walls uh, with six toes. And this was while they were uh, renovating the uh, cottage. And this phenomenon supposedly uh, continued and evolved into uh, kind of a poltergeist effects, maybe uh, uh, like uh, kitchen items being uh, found, uh, stacked up, uh, you know, pots and pans and what, and kitchen items in, in towers. Uh, and uh, this, this continued, this, act, this uh, weird uh, phenomena. And then they uh, brought home, Ken brought home a computer from his school to use on the weekend, a, uh, a uh, BBC Micro. And of course, this was before the Internet, very uh, uh, primitive uh, home computer. And uh, he started to, he claimed he started getting messages on this computer. Uh, and ultimately, messages from a... Uh, a individual which appeared to be from another time period, uh, kind of a speaking in a Shakespearean style English, and uh, of, and, and of course this this continued. There were many messages, and he the idea was uh, suspected that there might be someone breaking into the house and writing on the computer because there was no internet that they could connect with. How could these messages be occurring? Uh, now, this got even stranger because it evolved where there, to the point where there were messages from not only from, okay, the, uh, from a person who uh, claimed to be living at the time of Henry VIII in 1521 in England, then they started to get messages from a supposedly future uh, source uh, calling itself uh, 2109 and it's like a, a soap opera it was uh, uh, and, and at one point they asked the Society uh, for Psychical Research in England to get involved to, to investigate um, and at one point this uh, 20, 2109 Entity, whatever it was, uh, asked them to contact a UFO researcher in Wales, and they specified his name, and uh, he got involved. So, my, I, I'm curious what your opinion is. I can't imagine that it could be anything other than a hoax. Uh, there's just so many questions, and and of course. Uh, the, the, the messages seemed to appear uh, when they were returning home. They'd be going, they'd be out for the day, coming home at night, and the message would be on the computer. So there was no modem involved. Um, so now this guy was checking out the computer on the weekends and returning it during the week. So I guess that's an opportunity for someone to but I wanted to ask you, when you were in the Coast Guard, was uh, in I believe in the in the eighties. Yes. And you and I imagine you had computers on the ship, uh, and this was pre-internet. The computers 
your computers on the ship would receive messages via radio? Would that be correct? Well, yes, uh, that wasn't what I was doing, but uh, there, there, I know that in in the uh, we tended to have wangs at the time. I guess every time, whenever when I was in the service, every time I got on an airplane or in a boat or in an elevator, and I thought this was built by the lowest bidder, and that was the first. I don't know. Just, and the same thing with, with the the computers. As you say, they were very primitive. Uh, they were uh, there was this classified radio equipment there that I, I can't discuss and things of that kind. Because now would be, you know, primitive. But uh, still, you know, what one has the security oath, you know, you, you abide by that. But um, yeah, the, the, but you're you're right, Peter. The, the computers were very primitive. Uh, they were essentially word processors, and uh, there were storage units, and you had to use floppy disks and things of this kind. And um, a lot of them didn't even, didn't even have hard drives. So uh, I'm not familiar with with the bureaucratic machinations of the Coast Guard at the time. But I know the yeoman on the ship had uh, computers of that kind, and the the uh, military communications were sort of on a different level. But um, uh, regarding this case, uh, Ben, you had you look like you have something to say about it. Oh, I, I remember. Um, yeah, we've looked into that. Yeah, I, I as soon as you started talking about it, Peter, I was like, oh yeah, because I, I was I was like, why does it sound so familiar, Doddleston? And I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, the the uh, that the teacher who had who had the messages on his computer and i remember when when we had when we talked about the case i don't remember if we had a guest on it might have just been an open line show that we talked about i think it was an open line show people were asking about it yeah uh although i I, maybe i saw a documentary about it at some point i don't know but i I do remember i do remember watching it or or reading something about it and being like okay well you know i guess the logic would be if you know EVPs are a thing. You know, what about typing stuff? But uh, but uh, I don't know. It just it it does it does. There's a lot of things in there where it's like yeah. There's so many. There's such a high margin for hoaxing. That yeah, I'm suspicious like, about something. Yeah, it's it's like the it, you know there's any number of opportunities someone could get in there to just mess with an old couple. And well, on the other hand, you've got the the the, the non-electronic phenomena that Peter described. You know the the weird footsteps and things. That is true. And and, and this is um, and, and there actually is a theory out there that uh, parasites, as we would call them, are are learning to use computers, phones, and and, and there there are old stories from the forties, starting really in the thirties, where people people would get phone calls from people who said they were their dead loved ones, things of this kind. So um, injured cold. Yeah, the whole Indrid Cold thing. I mean, if that that would that supposedly actually happened, we've had um, the uh, Tanya Durenberger, that was her maiden name, uh, the daughter Woody Durenberger, to whom that whole Indrid Cold thing happened, supposedly on the show many times, mm. and there are books about that, and a lot of the, those were electronic phenomena. John Keel, who investigated the Mothman case, he was a New York journalist uh, in the 1960s and investigated the whole Mothman thing in the Ohio Valley, said he would go home to his apartment in New York and, and there'd be these weird electronic sounds that come over the telephone. Uh, and also a lot of people in the, the uh, area of the Ohio Valley had that happened as well. But, you know, I mean, who knows? But as far as this case uh, in England, um, I mean, it's it's entirely possible. I suppose something could 
could communicate over the the, the uh, computer. I guess you know words would appear, but I, I just my question would be how? Right. Well, then, then there's the other other question of you know if one of the things with the paranormal is that yeah, a lot of stuff isn't repeatable. But you do find patterns and similar things that kind of happen in a lot of different cases. Yeah, so yeah. footprints, yeah, okay, we can say, yeah, so we've seen that in other cases. Okay, so there might be something here. But, like, messages popping up on computers? I don't know. That's, well, I've never heard that in That was my time. question regarding EVPs because we had um, Phil Imbrogno on the show who fell into disrepute later on because he said he went to Stanford and he didn't. But, mm. <laughs> you know... Who, who who would do that? I mean, you can check that. Anyway. <laughs> well, he, he um, did. He would say that it was an AM signal coming in over the, the electronic voice phenomenon, uh, whatever was going on, and that, that was how that would work. Supposedly, the spirit voices or the voices of dead people or whatever, that that's what EVPs are supposed to be about. Well, it's funny. Immediately after that show, our our kind and benevolent station manager came down, and he was like, what you're doing right now is amplitude modulation. This is yeah, a. Yeah, we learned all about. Yeah, I, I learned and, all about. You <laughs> studied it in college, but well, kinda. So uh, it, it was a it was a portion of my study. Yes. Yeah, but in any case, uh, I, and my question to Phil was: Does that mean that uh, whatever is doing the the voices has an AM transmitter on their side of the whatever you know? And uh, I, that was one of our CBS shows, and we had a hard break, and he got cut off, so I never got my answer. You know, to mm-hmm. that. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just I, I have my suspicions about that case, Peter. Uh, and not having, you know, and not having been there, uh, I just, I just don't. I would have been too young anyway. I, I just don't. Uh, you know, I was doing other things at the time. So mm. I don't know. So well, I, I'm afraid well, we'll have to put a question mark on that one as well. Can I add something, please? Yeah, I. My impression is that maybe it was inspired by the Umo affair in Spain. Oh. And that, which happened, started in the 60s, and which uh, uh, basically involved people receiving uh, messages in the form of postal letters and also telephone calls from a supposedly extraterrestrial source. Uh, later, uh, it was discovered and it was confessed as a hoax by Horton uh, Pina in Spain. Hmm. And uh, he was a science teacher, and these communications, these letters, postal letters that were going to uh, uh, VIPs in Spain and, and Europe uh, were all full of uh, all kinds of a pseudo-scientific uh, information. And even to this day, there are people who are convinced that it's a real. But uh, I'm I'm thinking that maybe it was inspired by that. It's very, very similar. Now, here's the strange thing. I just communicated the other day with Gary Rowe, if I'm pronouncing his name right, Rao Rowe, who was the uh, UFO investigator that that was involved. And to this day, he is still cryptic about that case. Hmm. Says there are things. Oh, he just froze up there. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll wait till Peter unfreezes there. And uh, no, but they, these are good points. I mean, these are, these are especially today. They're very easy to hoax, 
and uh, I, I do have my suspicions about them. Um, there are many cases where people are, are doing uh, various uh, copycat sort of responses to some of these cases, and really do have to worry uh, worry about that. So we have, um, I guess we can move on to some of our listener questions here. And we have, uh, Ben is trying to get our guest co-host back there. And uh, we have Leanne in Creston, Iowa. And Leanne asks, uh, or makes the comment, in reading UFO books and hearing TV shows and lectures, I hear all about what aliens do and how they do it, what they fly in and all that, but very little about where they come from except outer space. Mm. There seems to be very little talk about what their planets or societies are like. What do you guys think? Well, uh, I wish we had Mark D'Antonio with us. Mark uh, is one of our guest co-hosts and a, d- a dear friend, and he's an actual astronomer. And one of his specialties is exoplanets, planets that are outside of our solar system. But I think that Leanne asks a good question. Uh, what are these? Where do these people come from? What are they like? If that's really what they are, we have a lot of caveats when it comes to aliens. Uh, many of my experiences with um, parasites or demons, as folklore calls them, are uh, that that they're you get the feeling they're alien creatures. Now, alien in a very broad sense doesn't necessarily mean they're from other planets. Uh, although what, what does that even mean if this multiverse idea is correct, that you have parallel worlds, versions, many, many versions of Earth, many versions of whatever exoplanets there are, you know, sort of out to infinity. Um, and our, one of our questions was, uh, has been on the show, can infinity get bigger? And I think it can because of the, the, the physics involved. But the point being that uh, whatever societies, if these really are what they appear to be, if they really are aliens from some other world, uh, what, what would their societies be like? Now, according to some experiencers, uh, people who claim to be contactees, as they used to be called, they, um, they have been told, supposedly, about various societies, and they do tend to reflect human understanding of society. In other words... Uh, Indrid Cold, whom we mentioned in, pre- in connection with the previous question, uh, if you've seen the, bo- the movie The Mothman Prophecies, there was the character of Indrid Cold, whom you never see. Uh, but during the Mothman uh, affair of uh, the 1960s in the Ohio Valley of the United States, there were contacts with someone who claimed that his name was Indrid Cold. He was from a planet called Lanulos, and uh, according to um, uh, Tanya Durenberger, the daughter of the man who experienced this, Woody Durenberger, uh, the Ingrid Cold came to their house one time with a companion also from Lanulos. And uh, the first encounter with Ingrid Cold by Woody Durenberger was on a highway uh, over on the Ohio side of the river, and he encountered a um, craft landed in the middle of the highway and the guy got out, said his name was Ingrid Cold, and started talking. He kind of looked like every a normal human. So, uh, I mean, the, the you know, if, if these things really happened, it seems that some of the societies are very similar to ours. He said that you know, naturally they'll come down and say, well, we don't have any war, we don't have any sickness, you know, it's like a sort of a heavenly planet. 
and that that in itself makes me suspicious. So uh, other more alien creatures have supposedly made contact with people and said uh, they are various societies uh, that, that are also very um, sort of, you know, ideal or utopian. Um, uh, most others, uh, the, 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 as bad as it gets is pretty much that they may uh, have conflicts with other races. Is Peter back, by the way? Oh, hi, Peter, you're back. As long as you weren't abducted. Or exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we moved on to a question here from Leon. I don't know if you heard it. But we should probably go to our break at some point. Oh, we should. I'm sorry. I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to take our mid-show break here. It's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM, 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade. The finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnigh.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WON AM and FM. And we're dealing with a question from Leanne in Creston, Iowa want to know about what alien civilizations might be like as opposed to just what they fly around and that sort of thing. Uh, either of you fellows have any inside information on that? Well, Peter, you were uh, unjustly kicked off by the gods of the Internet, so please, t- take it away. <clears throat> what uh, extraterrestrial uh, civilizations might be like? Uh, that's a big question. Um, well, I... You know why? I have a couple of thoughts. Um, why? Why would they necessarily be living um, on a um, a natural planet? Maybe they could live on an artificial, entirely artificial world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thought. Another thought is if if we look at the planet Mars, superficially uh, we see a desert. And we imagine that it's totally uh, desolate, although, you know, water has been discovered, so we have suspicions of life. But imagine a totally desolate world. That would be, uh, that could be an excellent location for a extraterrestrial civilization because it could be camouflage. Why would extraterrestrials necessarily want to be obvious? Wouldn't it be better to uh, live on a planet that appeared totally desolate without life? And then you would have more security that way. I don't know. That's a thought. Yeah, it is a a thought. And, of course, on that planet, we're the aliens, and we have all our little uh, probes running around and little helicopters flying. Probably scare them to death. I I don't know. These are all questions that have yet to be answered. Uh, Leanne has a second question, Ben, if you'd do the honors. Sure. Uh, Leanne has uh, her follow-up question is, uh, I have another question, if that's okay. I'm creeped out by all these flying humanoids that have been seen lately. What do you think they are, and have you ever seen one yourselves? Well, I'll start that. I've seen weird things in the sky, but I don't know if they were uh, any kind of uh, flying humanoids. I suspect a lot of them are balloons. It's very easy to hoax that. 
Now, I'm going to turn, what do you think, Ben? Because then I want to hear what Peter has to say, because a lot of them are seen down in his neck of the woods, uh, up through Mexico, and That's into true. the southeast, yeah. southwestern U.S. So what do you think, Ben? Well, I mean, I don't think it's anything new. It's, it's, it's been around for a while. I, I think, yeah. I think, um, for whatever reason, I, I do remember seeing a few reports that sort of ended up in the mainstream news over the last, you know, over the last summer. Um, and, you know, they tried real hard to hoax it, or not hoax it, tried to real hard to debunk it, and it's just, you know, they're just like, oh, it's someone with a jetpack, and it's like, I don't know. It, it well, almost... those aren't that easy to get or to fly. No. Uh, although, there is a new one, and that is being used in, in the UK by some of the rescue personnel. If somebody breaks their leg, like, on a, the side of a mountain, and they can't get to it with, with an ambulance, they, they'll at least fly up some first aid. And it's really quite, really very remarkable. Hmm. And they work very well. I'd love to get hold of one myself. Um, just before we turn it over to Peter, th- there were reports, and I'll have to look into it more fully, of uh, a flying humanoid seen over Woodsocket, Rhode Island here. Really? Uh, some years ago, yes. Uh, this is what you grew up here. You know how weird this area can be. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the UFOs particularly, and, and that hill that, that we live on, good grief. True. You know, a lot of strange things. So, Peter, what, what, what do you think about uh, flying humanoids? Well, that intrigues me as well. Uh, I don't... Uh, now, one, one thing that's mysterious, I believe in the uh, Mothman uh, prophecies, uh, the Mothman uh, case uh, in the 60s, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, wasn't the movement of the Mothman a little bit strange? It wasn't exactly like a bird. It seemed to have the ability to fly without the movement, too much movement of the wings. I believe that's correct, yes, uh, from what witnesses that, have told us. Yeah, that's obviously an odd detail. Uh, how there seemed to be some other, uh, maybe some other source of uh, power uh, for its flying ability. Uh, I mean, I'm intrigued like everyone on this, but of course, as you mentioned now with the uh, the jetpacks and so forth. Uh, how do we know what's what's really happening? And uh, I think, you know, we, there's so many videos that are fake now and questionable. Uh, I think the only hope is direct observation. And even then you can identify things. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 would I continue agree. to be interested as well in flying yeah. humanoids. I would like to see one. Well, recently there was one over Los Angeles, and mm. and they uh, somehow enhanced the photo, and it turned out to be <laughs> a balloon of a Jack Skellington character from uh, Oh, that's Before right, Christmas. Yes, <laughs> appropriate, I suppose. But uh, nevertheless, uh, there, there's also uh, Peter brings up an extremely interesting point about Mothman, though, uh, not flapping the wings and just sort of flying. Yeah, uh, th- that might tie into the, to the the self luminous red eyes. They're universally reported. Oh, uh, with, and without with a sound either, he would just kind of lift off the ground. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, with the eyes, thing, there, there was some speculation about whether this was a machine of some kind, uh, which would explain a number of the events, I suppose. It's almost uh, reminiscent of the Flatwoods Monster as well. Yes, yeah, that's true. That, that We did a show on the Flatwoods Monster. We now, did. Flatwoods is in West Virginia, too. Not very far from this, and West Virginia has a, is like one socket. It must be the W, 
uh, mm. a lot of really strange uh, events. And the uh, Flatwoods Monster of 1955, there was um, uh, UFO sightings, and uh, Frank Vicino, uh was on the show, and he yes. really researched that book this thick. Uh, they were coming in over the Atlantic Ocean, UFO reports that very night, uh, flying over Washington and other areas, uh, not well reported. And then all of a sudden, here you have in West Virginia, one of them seemed to have crashed. Uh, his theory was that they were trying to stage a rescue or whatever this was. And uh, the Flatwoods Monster, so-called, resulted, Flatwoods being uh, that section of West Virginia. And uh, a woman and some children went up and, and they, they saw, it's depicted today almost like a, a tall figure in, in a dress, almost a maternal sort of figure. But um, his theory, and he has a, a different art concept of it was that it was flying a flying platform with a rather uh, non-attractive monster kind of alien running it just to would crashed mm. so but who knows you know and especially at such distance in history so True. again i'm afraid we have to put a question mark uh, here with uh, flying humanoids um, could be anything could be nothing so anyway uh, here's a question from Carrie uh, right now, listening area in North Smithfield, Rhode Island. Indeed, and Carrie writes to us. Uh, I have read your books, and I think the flap idea, uh, or the flap area idea, makes a lot of sense. Uh, but if these parallel worlds are overlapping in flap areas, do the things and creatures people see come from the same parallel world? If not, is there any way to tell how many worlds are involved in the flap area? Also, does your world intersect uh, with theirs so that dogs, cats, and people are? Uh, Freaking out the people that live there. <laughs> well, I, I, anything is possible in the multiverse, you know, if these theories are correct. Uh, I mean, w- would, you know, in, in flap areas such as the Ohio Valley or the Litchfield uh, vicinity in Connecticut, w- would uh, creatures come through from different worlds uh, who know each other and would have fist fights over? The, the the check at dinner I, I I don't know it sounds goofy but who knows uh, or that the, their races uh, don't get along or had wars in the past or something I don't know um, anything is possible but uh, that kind of goes through uh, another question that we had you know how come Godzilla doesn't come through and eat New York you know well in some parallel if you can conceive of it then if again if these theories are true then it is happening somewhere or somewhere in the multiverse. Mm. But there are certain, there seem to be certain limits uh, within world families, and th- those are those are parallel worlds with very similar laws of physics, uh, where we might feel at home. Uh, I think we pass through uh, perhaps even millions of these every day in one form or another, and Godzilla does not seem to be part of our world family. Fortunately, unfortunately, COVID nineteen does. So there's always something, you know. So I think that uh, it's possible that. The, I think that there is certainly interaction all the time. Uh, we see it in the paranormal. I think that's what explains the paranormal, even psychic abilities. But as far as a total knockdown, drag out, free for all coming and going, I, that doesn't seem to be as easy to do as, uh, as would be thought of in Godzilla eating New York, something like that. So I don't know. Maybe that's all. What, what do you feel? Ben, what do you think? Well, I think. Um, that I guess there's, I mean, just, just, just as, as how, how do, how do we know how many worlds there are? I mean, well, we don't, uh, how to know, how do we know well, where infinity they... infinity can get bigger, in my opinion. Right, well, 
Yes. So the the answer to your question is we don't know uh, where where how many worlds are involved, what worlds are involved, who's there, why they're there. Um, the the most that we do know is something is happening, and whatever that something is is kind of beholden to well the eye of the beholder. It's um, you know we're we're all co- sort of subject to the experience of it, and there's an objective reality, and we're seeing it, and we're perceiving it. And that perception is filtered through all, you know, our our experience, which is incredibly flawed, and we really only have so much data to work with to be able to interpret it. And it's uh, it's a shockingly small amount of data that we have, um, but it's we still have it to work with, and it's not much. But we do know that something's happening, right? And it's and what we do know is that there have been. Um, sort of occurrences where there have been adverse reactions from whatever phenomena is happening to yes. people in the room, uh, suggesting that, you know, they're as freaked out as you are. Uh, yep, it's, yep, seen it. So it's, seen it's, it uh, right. So it's, you know, we, we know that, that, you know, these are, these things are, are happening, why they're happening and how many things are happening. We don't really know. Um, all we have is the experiences that we have in, in the space itself which the space is infinite and the experiences we have are dependent on who's involved. Yeah. So the answer is I don't know, but the 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 answer that I can give you is we know that something is happening. Yeah, well before I turn it over to Peter just one more thought. Uh I've always wondered what about uh the transmission of diseases or microbes? Across world boundaries, ah, the war of the worlds. I mean, m- m- yeah, well, much of, much has been made of the Europeans arriving in America and you know decimating the population. It happened here in New England, but my question is, why weren't the Europeans decimated by things that the natives were immune to, but they weren't? I don't know. I've never heard an answer to that. But uh, the question is, can they, a lot of strange things can come over the world boundaries, uh, like whatever? paranormal thing you want to mention, but is it possible to have microbes as well? I don't know. Peter, what do you think of all this? I don't even know if you subscribe to those to those theories. Well, uh, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know. I am, I'm searching for answers. Uh, I'm just as interested as everyone else. Uh, you know, as far, you know, I'm, my, my specialty is more the UFO phenomena. I know I know that that's real uh, from the uh, experience that I've described when I had that I had as a child. Um, now here's a, here's a thought that I was thinking about recently. Is uh, you know we've talked a lot about time slips, which are fascinating. Why why couldn't Bigfoot, for example, be a time slip? In other words, we're seeing uh, maybe some uh, prehistoric uh, version of man uh, in a in a time slip. Uh, I don't. I don't hear people talking about that possibility. Uh, no, you're right. Of course, the frequency of Bigfoot sightings seems to be uh, go against that idea. And then, and then, uh, I don't know. Is that a possibility that Bigfoot Bigfoot could be a time slip? Well, in in my Bigfoot encounter in Pennsylvania in 2016, it was there. Very clearly, very tall, looking its head bowed, and then uh, you know I, I people laugh at this. But my wife called, 
and the theme from Lord of the Rings maybe goes blasting out over the field, and and it was gone. And uh, I blame my wife for ruining the uh, the sighting, but uh, but you know that's that's uh, the bizarre life of the Eno family. Uh, but it it came and it went. And as we've often pointed out, that this is not a wilderness area. Practically everybody has seen me. We have 35 people at our neighborhood meetings, and almost all of them have seen Bigfoot and strange lights in the sky. And they're curious about relationships between UFOs and Bigfoot and all this sort of thing. But uh, it's it's so normal. The, the local radio station refers to Bigfoot country, and the restaurants have uh, where we spoke uh, particularly had uh, Bigfoot themes, and it's it's a it's a thing. So. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right. I mean, th- things do, will tend to come and go. So, and I think we, I don't know, we're, we're not providing an awful lot of answers to our listeners today with all these questions, but we're going to do the best we can. Well, we're, we're asking more questions, provoking yeah. more thought. Now, we have a couple of long ones here. I think we might want to go to a shorter one. This is from Maya in Lyon, France. Uh, but we know the rule with short questions. They always lead to long answers. They do. Uh, so, Maya writes, uh, I am new to your show, and I love your thoughts on the paranormal. You talk about the liquid nature of the multiverse and uh, how things and people can come and go from one to another in flap areas. My question is, in such a creation, what is the relation between ghosts and demons and parasites? Can they interact with each other, and how? Can those who die be attacked by demons, and what does hell mean? Hmm. Well, there's a lot there. See, Maybe I, that wasn't the shortest. I, to- I told yeah. you, it's the rule. You know, anytime yeah, yeah. there's a short question, it's always an well. Inc- we can always start and go back to it if we can't finish. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I, I think that that really dovetails with what we've been saying about whether the, you know a thing is coming and going and all this, and whether they can pick on each other. Uh, the, I'm thinking of a case, uh, and I mentioned it before in the year 2004. Uh, you had not, uh, you were still a lad, had not joined me yet mm. until the following year. King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, uh, right outside Philadelphia, and there was a lady, uh, there were two, two girls who were students, uh, rooming together, and they were being bothered by what, uh, was clearly to me a parasite, but also by, there were, they, they what they called ghosts, uh, in, in the, uh, the apartment. And uh, the rest of the place, it was a like a, we, we would call here a three-decker, and it was our house, you know, multifamily house of the old style, and they were the only ones occupying it. Uh, however, I did find what I believed was a very negative event going on in the yard in a parallel reality. Um, and the parasite, just like we found in Vermont that time, Ben, the parasite, when it couldn't get enough to eat from that, it would it would come... And, and bothered the guy in the apartment in the, in the adjoining house. Mm. That was it was very similar to this. Uh, they they would uh, this parasite would go in. It would it would, it would uh, get them all wound up uh, by pushing buttons as they do. But at the same time, I found, in my opinion, that that it was it was also feeding on the the so-called ghosts who were also present there in in a third parallel reality. Uh, who thought that we were ghosts, that the girls were ghosts haunting them. Mm. So, I mean, you had all kinds of give and take here, and it was, and you're trying to disent, and I, I've seen cases with, with more than two or three worlds involved, four or five in some cases, and it's a, it's a mess to disentangle. You know, trying to communicate, it, it, but we, we did manage to do it in this case, and the parasite, um, apparently headed for greener pastures, and, 
and that was uh, was what, what it was. But the parasite was also bothering the uh, the quote unquote ghosts, who were actually people living in the occupying the same space in a parallel reality. So I mean, it really it gets really complicated here at times. So I, I, if that's what um, Maya is talking about, yeah, that 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 does happen. So the, the demons, or you want to call parasites demons, picking on ghosts or actually people, yeah, uh, I've seen it. Uh, and can they interact with each other? Yeah, the, par- the parasites have about nine different species. I don't know if they're all from the same origin or not. I don't think so. Some dominate others. They seem to have a, a society of some kind. Uh, that case uh, in Burlville, uh, in um, Rhode Island, the... Uh, the one where uh, you were working with the uh, the shaman, the... the uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, that was a, a long-running case. A lot of interesting things happened. And you really had to train the people to cut off the food supply by bringing in positive energy. And uh, there was one parasite dominating one of a lesser species. And uh, the, they, would, they would both hide out in that barn, with the, and the one jumped out and attacked your mentor at uh, that time. You you weren't there, but there were claw claw marks all over his, his back, mm. that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, there, there's all all kinds of interaction. Uh, the, what you do is to keep your own life positive. You keep uh, your loved ones close. Uh, you keep humor in your life, and uh, keep it positive. Keep your faith. Uh, keep whatever is positive, and, and these things are not going to be drawn to you. It's like you know when you go out in your yard, don't don't put uh, you know honey all over your arm, and, and the, the bees and mosquitoes will stay away from you. That sort of thing. It's really quite similar. So I don't know. What do you fellas think? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that that that's a again short questions. Uh, <laughs> always always really long. I I think that. I guess I guess I guess the, a good place to start is, you know, we 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 have we have our, our our ideas and our experiences, and that's where we draw our ideas from, and they're not necessarily the same for everybody else. You know, we uh, it's interesting. You know, we've we've had you know run run of the mill sort of you know garden variety ghost hunters say, well, I didn't really care for your ideas because I never experienced them, and then I started thinking about it differently, and then I started experiencing them. Yeah. So it's so it's it's one of those things where it's just kind of how we've experienced things. So it's our, doing our best to articulate it. So it, it it's it's just it's just how it's come across. Now the 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 question that that's been posed is. Oh, I, I think it's I think it's important to note that we only have five minutes left. So, <laughs> so I'm just gonna make my thought very quick, which is you gotta keep it simple, right? And and w- one really important thing that I learned um, over the last year or so in learning a lot about um, you know ancient cosmology from whether it was the Middle East or or Europe or uh, the Mediterranean, uh, a really important thing I learned was, um, you know, there's there's a reason that there's not much explanation on, on demonology until, like, the Middle Ages in, in the West, because it didn't really matter. It was just kind of like, okay, well, you know, they exist, and who cares? They lost. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like who you know it does it doesn't matter right you shouldn't give more power to something that that doesn't deserve it you know it's it's kind of like you know you're 
you blame you blame something else for for failings and shortcomings and it's it's easier to blame an outside force than yes. to like examine your life and try and do the best you can to yeah, improve personal responsibility right so you know there's such a temptation in you know sort of shirking responsibility and blaming it on an outside force but you know at the end of the day you know we 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 can't control the chaos that's outside of us we're just kind of living in it we can't order the world around us but what we can do is order ourselves Right. Uh, let's give Peter the last word as we uh, come to the end of the show. Uh, well, we've talked about so many different things here. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I, I guess, I guess I have a question for you, Paul. When you're perceiving all this parasite activity, uh, do other people standing near you sometimes perceive nothing at the same time? Uh, I. Receiving it. I would expect that to happen, but I don't remember it ever happening. I mean, there's, there are, first of all, there are very few people around when I am in these situations. I think it, it just creates clutter. All right. Uh, what I would usually have would be either Ben, uh, or, and, or the family that lives in the house or whatever the situation may be. And we don't have a big team who goes in, you know, the, through a deputy assistant, electronics, honcho, and all that nonsense. Uh, it's pretty much um, just us. Uh, now, in, in the flat area cases, that's different because we're, you know, working as a team because different people have different talents, you know, the uh, sound recorder or the uh, camera person or, or whatever we're trying to do, the UFO expert, that sort of thing. So, um, uh, but I think we're really going to have to call it here. February 27th is our next open line show, and uh, we're going to transfer you know any questions that we've had uh, today to, to that show and, and continue from there. So um, let's uh, get to our announcements, uh, Ben, if you would. Yes. So we have a couple of things coming up, uh, up to and including, once I flip this page over, um, we're looking forward to the Supernatural Bowl. Uh, that is a debate on February 4th at the Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum in Pine Bush, New York, and to the New England Parafest uh, in Kittery, Maine, which runs from April 10th to the 26th in, uh, of this year. It will provide more details as those dates approach. And, uh, Peter, just very quickly, give us your website. Uh, I've been your show, your own podcast. People would love to see it. Sure. Uh, YouTube. Go to uh, Shadowy Spectrums, Shadowy with a Y. Okay, and what's next week, Ben? So next week we have on January 16th, uh, Michael Anthony Gagladari uh, will tell us what it was like to grow up with the devil. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't think we have time for our... Where we, we do have time for the quote. Okay, uh, from the great Irish playwright and activist George Bernard Shaw... Science never solves a problem without creating ten more. I remind you that he he promoted eugenics and opposed vaccination. So, anyway, anyway, I'm uh, Paul Eno, and I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our wait, great wait, 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 let, let Peter. Oh, I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> Thank you, and uh, thanks for having me. And I'm Peter William Shelley. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 100